1 Samuel 14, verse 6, it says this. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps, come on, somebody say perhaps. That's probably the scariest word in all of scripture. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there, we'll come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up. Somebody say, climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them show themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. Little Old Testament smack talk. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, we're thankful that you really have no rival. God, you have no equal now and forever. You reign and not only do you reign, but you're our father, you're our friend, you're Emmanuel, God with us. I'm praying over every single person that they would sense the closeness of your presence. God, speak to us in this time that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Y'all ready to rumble? Here we go. Question for you. How many of you, by a show of hands, are planners? Planners. You, you just like to have, okay, okay. It's a, it's a lot more people than the, the last service. The last service had no planners. They woke up that morning and said, hey, let's go to church. And they just went, you planned. You planned. You probably, you, you, I'm just bored. Show of hands. How many people you set your clothes out last night? You knew, come on, yeah. Those, those are, the rest of y'all were some fakes. The real planners, you, you put the kids' clothes out. You picked their socks. You, you, you knew what you were, you were getting yourself into. You, you, you probably have a to-do list, don't you? You, you, you write out what you're going to do. You got a calendar. You, you and Michael Hyatt are besties. You got your little full focus planner and your, your three goals for the days. I, I, I was not a planner. I, I, I'm what you would call a free spirit. I, I'm one of those, let the wind take you where it may go. Here, here's, here's the problem. I, I'm a free spirit, and I married a freer spirit. You know how they say opposites attract? Not the case with me and PZ. We both, we, I mean, who needs clocks? Who needs times? Who needs calendars? Let's see where the wind blows which was like amazing when we first got married and had no kids. I mean, any day was going to be an adventure. It, we, we'd be sitting on the couch at like 5.30 at night and say, hey, let's go to Philly. Let's go to Philly. Why, why are we here? Two minutes later, we're in the car, heading to Philly. We ain't got no clothes. Whatever. We'll go to Zara in the morning. We're good. We'll figure it out. And, and next thing you know, we're in Philly eating. on the, And it was just that simple. 
But then you entered the Smurfs into our lives. And the first one wasn't that bad. Zoe, Zoe would sleep in a restaurant for four hours straight. Never wake up. So we'd walk in with the car seat. You ever been on an airplane and somebody sits next to you with a baby? And, and, and you don't cuss anymore because God sets you free. <laughs> but in your heart, you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> We'd walk into a restaurant with a baby. Everybody's like, please don't put them there. We're like, no, she's good. And she would sleep for four hours straight. So we, we were still kind of spontaneous. With but then when we brought Roman the destroyer into the, that's, that's what I call him, into the equation, then you add baby Jade. Yo, we can't even sneeze without planning anymore. It, we, we, it's just been forced. You, you just, you, spontaneity, just gone. It, some, some of you moms, some of your dads, some of your parents, so you can't even go to the bathroom without planning anymore. Like, what's the last time? If you got little kids, you're like, I'm gonna just run in the bathroom. When you come out, somebody's bleeding, somebody's missing, your car is gone, you don't know. <laughs> and Jade took it. But what's happened is between the, the children, the church growing, and all the responsibility, I've become not just a planner, but like I, 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 I get nervous if I don't have a plan. Like I can't even, I can't, I can't relax. I just, like if I don't know what the next eight hours are going to look like every second, I just start scratching and it's just, it's just, it's probably because I don't bathe, but it's just not, it's not, it's not good at all. It's to the point, we, we went on vacation. The whole point of vacation is to relax. And I couldn't relax until I sat down and outlined every day of our vacation. My wife picked every place we're going to eat. We're, we're going to go here. We're going to wake up at this time. We will be out of the hotel room by this time. We must stick to our plan. You would hate to vacation with me. That's what my wife says all the time. There's nothing wrong with planning. Actually, planning is of God, you non-planners. What, what was Bible? The Bible says God, man makes plans, and God orders. Based on your personality, you can misinterpret any verse in Scripture. Why would I make plans? Because God is going to order my steps. <laughs> you didn't read the verse. It said, "Man makes plans." And then God orders their steps. Some of us are paralyzed because we're waiting for God to tell us what to do. And God said, make a plan. And when you make your plan, then I will order. There's nothing wrong with planning. Planning is of God. Somebody say amen. Here's where I get in trouble. I get married to my plans. Like, like when I do a calendar for the week, I walk down the aisle with that calendar. I hold its hand. I stand across. And I said, till death do us part, this plan will come. Am I the only one? I don't change plans. We don't. <laughs> Me and my wife will plan date night on like a Wednesday. I'll say, hey, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. She'll come Friday and say, hey, where do you want to go? Why are you asking me? We had this conversation on Wednesday. We're leaving at this time. We're going here. There's no need to talk. I'm just, I get married to my plans. The problem of being married to your plans is you remove the option for God to do something different. And when you serve a God that says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, 
nor has man thought of what I have in store for you. It's really hard to plan for a God thing because the God thing is always an unexpected thing. I, 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 I think I say this every week, Damien. Every passage I preach is my favorite passage of Scripture. But let, let, let me clear. Let this is my favorite battle in Scripture. Now, I'm a little weird. If you, you judge your pastor, that's okay. I love war movies. Like, if I'm watching a movie and we're five minutes in and everybody's still alive, I can't deal with it. I turn it off. I, 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 I need blood and gore. I'm talking about Black Hawk Down, Gladiator. I mean, I need me a good Mel Gibson face painted blue. They can take our women and children, but they will never take our freedom. And I'm like, yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I love it. You keep your little notebook and all that emotional stuff to yourself. I, I need blood and I need gore. Any men in the room can say, half, half, half of y'all son, seen Notebook, and that's why you didn't say nothing. Anyway, <laughs> Hollywood has nothing on Scripture. So, 1 Samuel 14 is the most gangster battle you have ever seen in your life. The Bible says that Israel was outnumbered 600 soldiers, watch this, to infinity. Read it, 1 Samuel 13. It said they had 3,000 horsemen, 6,000 chariots, and the army was the size of the sea, which means the Holy Spirit didn't even want to count them. <laughs> That's just too many people to count. And if it could not get any worse, the Bible said that when the Philistines came in to make sure that Israel was not a problem, they took all the swords away from them. So they had two swords among 600 fighting men against an army the size of the sea. So here's Israel camped out pretty much. We're just going to sit here till we die because I ain't going to fight them because that ain't going to go well. The Philistines are like, why would we attack them? It ain't worth our trouble. We'll just sit here and wait till they run out of food. And Jonathan kind of just got, Jonathan was the king's son. He was a prince and he just got irritated with sitting. And he said, let's go over to the enemy and let's just see what's up. And, just see. and, and he, he had an armor bearer. He, now, the armor bearer was actually his bodyguard. And, and it was his job to, to protect the prince. So he had no option but to go wherever the prince. Just make sure you don't work for the wrong person. Jonathan said, what's up? Let, let, let's go see what happens. The armor's like, mm. And Jonathan gets over to this army that is the size of the ocean. And he said, let's go fight them. He said, let's go fight them. The best war speech ever. Maybe we win. (laughs) How inspiring is that? No Mel Gibson riding back on a horse. No, 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 no war paint. He looks at his armor bearer. He said, 50-50, we could take them. He said, perhaps it will work out. What will stop God from winning from a few or for many? Let's go see what happens. Y'all, Jonathan was crazy. You can't use the word crazy, Pastor. It's offensive. I know, but I meant it for him. He's two against hundreds of thousands. And he said, what's going to stop God from doing something great here? 
maybe it might work out. Let's go and let's see. When's the last time you took a perhaps step? When's the last time the odds were stacked against you? The likelihood was not there. And you said, well, what's going to stop God from doing something great with all the odds or none of the odds? Let's go up. It's, if Jonathan was from Baltimore, he'd have been like, I've never rolled dice a day in my life. I've just, anyway, he's like, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but let's go see what happens. Is it all right if I preach a little bit of a transparent message? One of the things that have driven me nuts is that every step of my ministry has been perhaps. As a pastor, there is not one thing that God has given me that has been guaranteed and sure. Everything, well, if you don't know my story, I became the senior pastor of my dad's church when I was 23 years old. I was 23, I was single, and I had never been to cemetery, I mean seminary. I, I got this list problem. I, somebody say three strikes and you're out. And, and I, I, now, you, you got to understand, I, I was confident, but my confidence was more pride and ignorance. I, I was looking at my dad, you know, lead the church. And I'm like, Psh, <laughs> I could do that. How hard can it be? I preach 52 times a year. I mean, you got the whole Bible. There's a lot of stories over there. It's easy. It's one thing to watch somebody else do something and think it's easy. It's a completely different story. Come on, parents. You ever thought about how jacked up your parents were? How hard can it be to raise kids? So you had your own little monsters. Next thing you know, this is harder than it looks. And I remember me and my dad, we sat down. Man, I think it's God. I think it's time for you to take over and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, well, the trustees got to approve this anyway, so I ain't worried about him. Then the trustees unanimously, not one God-fearing man or woman, on that, they all said yes. I'm like, none of y'all hear from God. Golly. And when they said yes, then all of a sudden, I mean, you know how the song says grace like a wave? Forget that. Fear like a wave. <laughs> it's like, my goodness. And it literally was like, maybe it'll work. And maybe it won't. And guess what? It worked. And you know what my reward was? Another perhaps. Church was probably about 400 people, but the majority of our people were driving up from PG County. And I just sensed God saying, hey, move south. Now, I don't know if you people know how you people are. Not, not y'all, the service before you, which I told them when I preached that service. But church folks, y'all fickle. Y'all church does anything different. I ain't going no more. Service used to be at 1015. Now, now, now it's 1020. I turned, threw my schedule off. I can't come. I can't come. More or less move it 25 minute drive away. And I couldn't shake this. This is what God is having you do. And I'm, I'm calling people like, you don't move a church. That doesn't happen and work out. I'm like, but I got to perhaps. Next thing we know, we move from Baltimore to Howard County and the church grows. And you know what I got rewarded for? Another perhaps. Hey, launch a campus in Baltimore. 100% live stream. People will come. People will get saved. Take that list. 
800 plus people show up first day. You know what I get rewarded after that? How about you take two great churches, two parts of town, merge them together, change the name. Perhaps God might bring revival to a region because of that step of faith. You know what I got as a reward for that? Perhaps if you take a bunch of people and send them to Charlotte, God might do through few what he can do through many. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. And every perhaps is followed by another perhaps. And I'm like, God, perhaps you, you can give me more details. And I know I've preached this before, but the same irritation just always comes up. He knows the details. It's not like he doesn't know. So he is being vague on purpose. I'm like, just tell me how it's going to work out. I'll still go, which I wouldn't if it didn't. (laughs) But more information would give me more peace. Here's what God told me. Write this down. Perhaps leaves room. Perhaps leaves room. Leaves room for what? For God. Here's why. Because if it's all planned out, what do I need to pray for? Do do you know it's only my uncertainty that sends me to my knees? Like, like, let's let's be honest. When's the last time you prayed about something that was 100% guaranteed? When's the last time you asked God to move on behalf of something that was already done? And I'm like, God, if you would just give me all the details, I'll follow you with all my heart. He said, actually, you won't. If I give you all the details, you're going to think that you have it fully in control and you're going to run off ahead of me. I need the gap between where you end and what I've called you to do. And that's where I fit in. I want you in the perhaps because the perhaps is where the supernatural happens. Yeah, this marriage is difficult, but, but perhaps God can heal it. I can't. There's room for perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I'm over this job and, and I feel like I'm in a dead end, but I, I feel like God is telling me to stay. There, there's, a, there's a perhaps. Yeah, the doctor said that, that there's nothing that they could do. I'm going to be on this medication for the rest of my life that, that, that I'm just going to have to deal with this, this issue. But, but perhaps, and I'm not preaching to you, Baltimore. I'm preaching to myself. I curse the perhaps. I hate the perhaps, but the perhaps is God ordained because that's where he's able to step into your life. And as the Bible says, show himself strong. Now, let me give you just some Bible study tips. Every time you read scripture, find yourself in the story. Every time you read scripture, who, who am I in this? Who am I in this passage? What, what does this have to do with me? And I guarantee you, Because you are as prideful as your pastor is. Every time you read a passage and you try to find yourself in the story, you will find yourself in the hero. Think about it. You you, you ever read the story about Stephen being stoned and ever thought, yeah, I'm the one throwing the stones? Never. You're always the one. I will not deny God no matter the persecution. 
Think about, remember the story when Jesus healed the 10 lepers and the only one came back to say thank you and the nine didn't even bother to say thank you? Has it ever crossed your mind you could be one of the nine? Never. Never. Matter of fact, I'm talking about the nine as I walk back to Jesus. <laughs> Never in Scripture do we see ourselves as a person who's not the hero. And we did that in this passage. Here's Jonathan and his armor bearer going up. Jonathan said, perhaps God can save through many or through few. And the armor bearer is like, well, let's go. And we think, well, clearly I'm Jonathan. Can I submit something to you? We're not Jonathan in the story. We're the armor bearer. Look what the armor bearer said in verse 7. He said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you. Heart and soul. Now, you didn't know that you were in school, but you're in school. We're about to have a pop quiz. Now, I'm warning you, the last service I preached, they failed this pop quiz. I'm not even exaggerating. It was horrible. It was like, we're not putting that on YouTube because it was that bad. No pressure. I believe in this service. Y'all ready? How many swords were in Israel? Yes, it's not that hard. Oh, sorry, sorry. You would not believe the answers I got last service. 600. Why do I even bother to preach? <laughs> Two swords in Israel. How many swords? Who had the swords? King Saul, Jonathan. Who didn't have the swords? Everybody else. You're tracking with me, right? So between Jonathan and the armor bearer, who had more faith? Jonathan that said, let's go up. Perhaps God can save through many or through few. <laughs> or armor bearer. I'm with you. Heart and soul. <laughs> We think the perhaps is, I'm going to take a leap of faith, and then God is going to come rescue me. No, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit that says, here's where we're going. And it's our job to say, Holy Spirit, do all that's on your heart to do through my life. Even though I am under-resourced and got a sword to write my name on, I'm with you, heart and soul. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting him, the son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Another translation, that I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said the life of a Christian is a life that you don't get to live any longer but that God lives through you. And hear me, if you're the type of person that says, God, I will follow you heart and soul after you give me all the details. God, I will follow you heart and soul after you show me how it's gonna work out five years from now. God, I will show you. No, 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 no. He said, you have to be willing to respond to a perhaps. And trust me that I'm gonna move on the other side. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Perhaps requires a climb. Perhaps requires a climb. Before I get into that, let, let, let me just highlight something very quickly. There is a difference between perhaps and presumption. Yeah. 
There is a difference between faith and foolishness. And there's a lot of foolishness. And when you preach a message on faith, there's always about four people that are like, that's it. I'm going to quit my job. That's God. Yep, got it. Got confirmation. Pastor said it. I'm quitting. I'm gone. I'm out. Great. Fine. Quit your job. Question. Where are you going to go? Do you have another job? No. Walking on faith. Sure. Positive. Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. And he shall provide. I think he is providing. <laughs> I think you're walking away from Jireh provision. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if he leads you in the wilderness. It's another thing if you walk out in the wilderness all by yourself. Y'all know I'm shady, and I try not to be Columbia, but it just comes out. You can't believe how many people come up to me and say, Pastor, God told me to. And do you understand that when somebody tells you God told you, what they mean is, I don't want your advice. I've already heard from God, and anything you say opposite of God, you are disagreeing with God. You deal with him. So some pastor, God told me, cool. And I'll smile. And you know what that smile means? We'll see. <laughs> no, 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 no. Perhaps faith, is, you know, we use this phrase, a leap of faith. Eh, maybe it should be a hop of faith. Maybe it should be a step of faith. You understand that perhaps Jonathan, the armor bearer, they didn't grab the one sword, hold it together like a couple and run into battle. Look, look, look what it says in verse 9. It says, we'll wait to see if they will come to you. We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, watch this, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Jonathan said, we're going up. Perhaps God will, but we're not going to run out there. Let's just step out. Can I preach this for a second? And let's see how the enemy responds. And based on the response of the enemy, we will know whether it is God or not. Two messages in one. Let me give you the first one. Stop running out and asking God to save you. Instead, take a step of faith and check your peace. God, is this you? All right, I'll take another step. Guys, it's still you. Okay, still you? Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 20. And though the Lord gives the bread of adversity. Can, can, okay, you're preaching with me, right? You're at a restaurant, a nice one, white tablecloth. Sit down, we're eating. When you get there, what do they bring first? No, water. Come on, guys, we're at the restaurant. Just... She just trying to preach the message for me, just rushing me through. They bring water, right? And then what do they bring after the water? Is the bread the main entree? It's what? Appetizer. Signs of things to come. What did God say he's going to bring out first? Adversity.
I'm going to bring out adversity. And adversity is a sign that there's a main course that is coming after it. I'm not preaching to you. I'm just talking to Stephen. I cry every time adversity comes. I curse adversity. I bind adversity. I rebuke adversity. I say, get thee behind me, adversity. I do not celebrate adversity as a sign that God is getting ready to do something great in my life. But if I had a biblical worldview, I would understand that the enemy is a sign that God is for me and he wouldn't be attacking me if God wasn't getting ready to do something great in my life. We spend so, listen, if you need a party planner, call me. I can throw a pity party with the best of them. I'm telling you, don't even got to do nothing. I'll decorate. I'll bring the food, the paper plates. We can have a pity party. Oh, I know how to say why me. I know how to complain. I know why I could give you a good God abandoned me three days, three days, not even, not even like a two hour party. I go good three days. God's forgotten me. What did Jonathan said? Based on the enemy's response, we will know that God is for us. We've got to be a people of faith that understand if the enemy is opposing me, if people are walking out of my life, if they're talking about me, if they're trying to get me out of the job, this must be a sign that God has a promotion on the other side of this because the enemy would not be attacking me unless God was getting ready to do something in my life. I've learned to start celebrating when things go bad and, and building my faith when doors get closed because if this door is closing, God must be getting ready to open a door that I never thought possible. I wish I had some believers that had enough faith inside of you that you knew how to read a situation and say, yeah, it looks like the enemy is attacking me, but it's actually a sign from God that he is for me and not a, somebody shout God is for me. We've got to, we live on a spiritual battlefield. We think we're in this incubator where everything in life should be perfect. Actually, you should be worried. If everything in your life is easy like Sunday morning. God, where are you going? Enemy is not attacked. I heard one preacher say, he said, you should be walking in the opposite direction of the enemy. So if you never run into him, you may be walking in the same direction as. I didn't say that. Because that's shady. I would never say. <laughs> back to the verse. Go back to Isaiah 30, verse 20. I ain't even got there yet. There we go. So the Lord stirs up some adversity, and then he brings some water of affliction. Thanks, God. Yeah, your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall be your teacher. Here's the part that I was trying to get to. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. So here's what a leap of faith looks like. Still good? Still good. I feel like a superhero today. I got my cape on. <laughs> Some of y'all, y'all faith looks like flash. God spoke. <laughs> it's not Bible. It's just, don't outrun your guardian angel. 
I get in trouble. Got in a car accident. Where's my guardian angel? You were driving at 98 miles per hour. Them angel wings only go about 68. Slow down so they can keep up. No, we're going to live by faith, but we're not going to trash wisdom just because we're living by faith. Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, his armor bearer followed. Y'all got to read the Bible. It says his armor bearer killed behind Jonathan. How? He had no sword. He had to wait for Jonathan to kill the first one and snatch his sword. Never get ahead of God because he will always kill the first one for you. And then you'll have the resources that you need to do all. Perhaps God did an amazing miracle, an outrageous route that day. Here's what irritates me. Everything about scripture irritates me. We'll see if it's a sign from God. When they say this, they said it. It's a sign from God. Great, let's go up. And then they use their hands and their to climb. Bible doesn't tell us how high a climb it was to where the Philistines were. Philistine army was smart, though. They took the high ground so they could see the enemy coming. Jonathan and his armor had to climb up. Why didn't God just, like, transpose them? I mean, it's a miracle, right? God just, I mean, I'll fight when I get up there, but God, 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 take me to a new level. <laughs> yeah, you, ever, you ever had somebody tell you or heard a message or a prophet? You're going to another level. <laughs> as soon as you climb there. Bring, 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 bring me a chair, bring me a chair, bring me a chair, bring me a chair. Hopefully it's not, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all hooked up last service. Took him 20 minutes to get up here. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is our idea of a miracle from God. Oh. Day 22. Prayed for my 21-day miracle. God's going to heal my body. So I ain't going to the gym. Nope. Don't want no salad. Give me another bag of Doritos. Because my healing's on the way. Jehovah Jireh. My provider. Provides all my needs. Resume. Nah. Application? Nah, I'm favored. We've got this idea that because God is about to do something supernatural in our lives, that we don't have to do anything or play any part in it. We just sit back and watch him work, not understanding that he called us co-laborers with Christ. When you move, he moves. When you take a step, he confirms. We... So I'm not preaching to you. I'm just preaching to Stephen. God said, Stephen, the next miracle in your life is going to take some climbing. You got to go to a new level. 
This is not you, all right? You're just eavesdropping in a conversation between me and God. This has nothing to do with you. God, God said, Stephen, you're going to have to climb to a new level of humility. The next miracle I have in your life, your current level of humility won't suffice. You've got to die to yourself more. Why? Because he gives grace to the humble. Not you, just me, just me, just me, just me. He said, Stephen, you got to go to a new level of discipline. Hey, hitting the snooze button twice was all right where you are right now. But to the level of influence that he's getting ready to take you to, you don't get to spend 45 minutes on Instagram every hour. You do the math. Because God will multiply what I steward, not what I declare. You got to go to a new level of faith because without faith, God will not move. You've got to go to a new level of awareness of his power. Because when I am weak, that's when he's strong. Write this down. Last thing. Perhaps is our only option. One of the things about Scripture, and, and I don't, I don't want to minimize the men and women of God in Scripture. They're amazing. They're great. But a lot of things that we see in Scripture that we assume to be outrageous faith was a person who ran out of options. You think about the woman whose daughter was demon-possessed and she came to Jesus and Jesus basically called her a dog and she wasn't deterred. And you're like, oh, the humility for God to say that and for her not to be deterred. No, no, she knew she had no other options. And she's like, you call me whatever you want to call me, but I know you can heal my daughter and I'm not leaving until you... I think, remember Jacob and Esau, he was going back to see Esau and he was wrestling with God that night and God said, let me go, I've got to go. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Sounds full of faith, right? No, Esau was going to whoop his behind and he's like, if I don't have the blessing of God on my life, I'm a dead man. Jonathan said, let's go up, perhaps. No. Jonathan had no other option. Because in chapter 13, verse 6, it says this, that his whole nation, when they saw the situation that they were in, that it was critical, that their army was hard-pressed. It says they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and the pits and the cisterns. And some Hebrews went back to the place of captivity that God had rescued them from because the oppression of the enemy was so much. Jonathan looked at his nation in disaster. He looked at the enemy. And he said, that can't stay that way. So this is my only, it's my only option. It says the people were so oppressed by the enemy that they ran into caves and went back to the bondage that God had rescued them from. Union Church, do you know what's happened in our country and this world in the last 24 months? People have been so oppressed by global pandemic, racial tension, political tension, job tension, now inflation, and all this other kind of fun stuff that they've ran back into depression, ran back into anxiety, ran back into... Some people ran back into sin that God had already delivered them from. And I'm not telling you anything that you don't know because it's your cousin. 
It's your child. It's your coworker. It's your, you, 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 I'm not preaching to you. You're living it right now. But what we as the church have not yet been able to connect is my perhaps is their deliverance. Because you see, the Bible says that when Jonathan and his armor bearer went up and that the Philistines turned on themselves, it said that the ground began to shake. And the 600 who were too afraid to fight for themselves, they heard the sound. And Saul said, something's going on over there. Let's go to where the sound is. And they came and they experienced the victory that was started by somebody else's perhaps. You have believed the lie of the enemy that nobody's watching you. Nobody's destiny is connected to you. Nobody's life has anything to do with you. If you only knew that you taking that step of perhaps will actually bring freedom to your entire block that you live on right now. You've been battling depression and you're like, no, I'm about to give up. Don't you know that when you win that fight by the power of God, there's six other people watching you that said, if they can win that fight, maybe their God can do the same thing for me. Perhaps he is able. You're contemplating walking away from a difficult marriage. No, 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 no. Don't you know that when you say, I can't do anything about it, my spouse can't do anything about it, but perhaps God can take a heart of stone and turn it back to flesh. There's five other people considering a divorce and they're going to see what God does in your life and they're going to say, perhaps the same God that they have can do it for me. We're not just fighting for ourselves. We're not just taking steps of faith so that we can live a more abundant life. There are other people that are relying on our story. They're relying on God doing it in our lives so that they can believe that he can do it in theirs as well. Ephesians 3.10 says this, God's purpose is to show the rulers, the powers in heavenly, demonic spirits, the many different varieties of his wisdom through the church. Somebody say, I am the church. God wants your life to be his resume. How do you know God is real? Look at my life. How do you know he's powerful? Look at my life. We, we have Welcome Home Sunday coming up in two weeks, and we're asking, hey, invite, bring, bring cousins, uncles, aunts, neighbors, coworkers, and all. Pastor, how do, how do I invite somebody to church? Simple. Look at my life. It's not perfect, but you knew me. You knew what I was going through. And I'm not where I want to be, but you can tell I'm not where I used to be. And let me be humble enough to tell you it's not because of my work ethic. It's not because I leaned into a counselor, even though that helped. It's because God brought me out. And I want God to do the same thing for you that he's done for me. And just like in this battle, you're going to see your victory is going to result in an entire nation climbing out of the cave of affliction that they're in into the promises that God has for them. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. God, grateful that before we could even fight for ourselves, you said, perhaps if I go to the cross, they can be free. Father, I thank you that there's a miracle with every single person's name on it. God, give us the strength to follow you off of a perhaps. 
just where you find yourself with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. Here's what I've been praying. Here's what I honestly believe. That for every last one of us, God's going to show us one area where we need to take a step of faith. What's that area of your life that is so secure you don't even need to pray about it anymore? I'm telling you, God has more for you than you ever thought for yourself. I know for some of you, the biggest step of perhaps that you need to take is perhaps God can do better with my life than I've been doing with my life. Perhaps I need to give him full control. Whether you're sitting in your living room or at one of our locations, if you'd be honest, say, hey, I go to church or I believe in God, but I, I, I am not led by God. I, I've never given him the control. That is your first step of perhaps. And it'd be my honor to introduce you to a God that loves you more than you love yourself. You say, Pastor, that's me. I I need to take that first step right where you are. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you see me, that you know me, that you want me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin so that I could be forgiven so that my mistakes can be erased. Today, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?